the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Thursday, January 25th, 2024. I am Seth Leaves, and I have Mr. Bill here. I have David Dahl, my producer, Miss Teresa, coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. I was having a discussion with a friend long steeped in the conservative movement about all the agitations in the Republican Party of late here at the state level and, of course, in the presidential primary. And in discussing the party, we, of course, were discussing not only what it stood for and what it should stand for, but what consistency its fuel, conservatism, was made of. In other words, what is conservatism? Noting all the tribulations within our movement and party, he asked, why is a movement about conserving so uncollected, so untenanted of its own soul and meaning? Answering his own question, he suggested leadership or such diffuse leadership of confusion. But we've had a few guests on talking about new kinds of conservatism or old kinds of conservatism with new names. You've heard other variations from the past, from neoconservatism, one of the most misunderstood labels ever, to traditional conservatives, to paleoconservatives, to libertarian conservatives. National conservatism is but one of the kinds you hear of more and more now. Attendant to much of this is a debate about Ronald Reagan, and you will see in many of these efforts lines such as, this is not the 1980s anymore, or warmed over Reaganism is not going to do it for us anymore. Ironically, it was William Buckley and National Review that helped lead the uniting of all the previous factions into what was called fusionism in the 1960s. Why ironic? Because it was National Review in the 2016 January issue titled Against Trump, that began or reopened the Great Divide once again. What they at first, or Buckley at first, fused, his legatees defused. I often point out, it's interesting that William Buckley never wrote a book on conservatism, but he did write Up From Liberalism, a book on liberalism. One might say every book he wrote was a book about conservatism, but then again it might just as well I might just as well say everything written by James Madison is conservatism. The other odd problem is that conservatism, complaining about Reagan Nostrum's being anachronistic, is that there's also something endemic to conservatism which abjures changing with the times. As Calvin Coolidge put it about our founding in a response to the progressive Woodrow Wilson's understanding that it could be updated, nay, should be updated from time to time. Coolidge wrote and said this on the 150th anniversary of our founding, 1926, July 4th. Quote, about the Declaration of Independence, there is a finality that is exceedingly restful. It is often asserted that the world has made a great deal of progress since 1776, that we have had new thoughts and new experiences which have given us a great advance over the people of that day. 
and that we may therefore very well discard their conclusions for something more modern. But that reasoning cannot be applied to this great charter. If all men are created equal, that, that is final. If they are endowed with inalienable rights, that is final. If governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed, that is final. No advance, no progress can be made beyond these propositions. If anyone wishes to deny their truth or their soundness, the only direction in which he can proceed historically is not forward but backward, toward the time when there was no equality, no right of the individual, no rule of the people. Those who wish to proceed in that direction cannot lay claim to progress. They are reactionary. Their ideas are not more modern but more ancient than those of the Revolutionary Fathers. Close quote. Now, you think about the year he said that, the marking of 150 years of our existence, and we think about what is coming two years from now, the 250th anniversary of our founding. Do you think we'll commemorate it anywhere close to how it was celebrated in 1926 or 1976, for that matter? Many of us remember that patriotism. Woodrow Wilson put it that, quote, liberty does not consist in mere general declarations of the rights of man. It consists in the translation of those declarations into definite action, close quote. And he argued for updating the Declaration of Independence, perhaps because the world, which includes, of course, America, never fully accepted the truths of the rights of man. We could have presidents questioning the usefulness of resting on the principles of the self-evident truths in the Declaration in our founding. And thus, Wilson and his intellectual descendants could and would always agitate and never be at rest and never allow us any rest, always supporting frenzy. Some of this would be why Harry Jaffa would point out that in 19, excuse me, that in 1776, America was nothing, promising to become everything. And in 1976, we having become everything promised to become nothing. And we look at 2026 and we worry, don't we? So much so that a large and growing part of our education system is trying to tell us, thank you to the New York Times, that we don't even have the date right and that 1776 is meaningless compared to 1619. I mean, if truth is relative, so are the thoughts of every American up until the New York Times decided to give money to Nicole Hannah-Jones to change our date and create a pedagogy that upends everything we knew until that time. I've put a lot out there. Let me circle back. William Buckley, in one essay, put it that he said, I am asked most frequently by members of the lecture audience, what is conservatism? Sometimes the questioner, guarding against the windy evasiveness one comes to expect from lecturers, will say, preferably in one sentence. On which occasions I, Buckley says, reply, I could not give you a definition of Christianity in one sentence, but that does not mean that Christianity is undefinable. Usually that disposes of the hopes of those who wish for a neatly packaged definition of conservatism, which they can stow away, he said. Charles Kessler of Claremont, who used to work for William Buckley, wrote, American conservatism presupposes that there is something worth conserving, but we can hardly know what to conserve without knowing what America is and what it stands for. A political movement cannot form itself around a Socratic declaration of ignorance. To stand for something or even against something, we may say, requires us to stand for some things and against some things. Let's examine the difficulty a bit in practical terms. What does every strand of conservatism, conservatism every flavor, unitedly agree on? Uh, 
Can we take the example of counting by race, race preferences, and using race to award or convey privileges or benefits? Okay. As Charles Kessler asks, how many times, for example, has the Republican Congress ducked the chance to eliminate race and gender preferences in federal hiring, contracting, and grant making? Republicans, including many staunch conservatives, flee the issue mostly because they do not care to wage an uphill battle on an issue on which liberals presumptively command the moral high ground. In other words, they concede without quite admitting it that equality and justice are liberal causes to be defined by liberals, defended by liberals, implemented by liberals. When conservatives in political office have to accost fundamental principles, they prefer to do so indirectly from the shadows behind many veils. Conservatives avoid arguing about questions of justice whenever possible, which means that they eschew politics whenever possible. On taxation, conservatives frequently defend a flat or flatter income tax on grounds that it will reduce inefficiencies in the economy, stimulate growth, increase family budgets, produce as much revenue as the existing system. What of its superior justice? Few indeed are the conservative politicians who will condemn the basic unfairness of taxing extra increments of income at higher rates. The equality of citizens under law, free employment opportunity, other aspects of tax policy, these are moral questions too when seen from the point of view of American principles, but the moral case for them often goes unmade by conservatives who are so depoliticized as to shun any appeal that cannot be reduced to a matter of efficiency, economy, interest, or tradition. Tradition can be a great and good thing, of course, but it is never good just because it is traditional. Slaveholding had its ancestral traditions, too. To tell right from wrong within a tradition or among traditions requires a moral standard that has a validity or goodness independent of the tradition. It requires an abstract principle. My pitch is that redound, we redound, we should redound to abstract principles, those that are applicable to all people at all time, as Abraham Lincoln said. That's what our founding was about, the abstract principle of the importance of life and liberty and our inalienable rights to them, as well as our pursuit of happiness. That, I believe— is the conservative project and should be. And we should not be afraid to talk about the justice of those things. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is a day of uh, some new guests. Uh, We're going to have Representative Austin Smith joining us in a little bit. He has a great piece of new legislation um, where he's going to tell you about, and I'm excited to introduce him to the audience. Great guy I've come to know recently. And in studio, um, gentlemen I made reference to yesterday, uh, colloquially known as the Suits Upstairs. He is our general manager. He is Mark Durkin. And uh, he was the person I said was the call from within the house when we were talking about uh, the sin of what took place with the donuts in our office yesterday. And I was complaining that people are leaving half half a donut and that, you know, he had the authority to do something about it if he would only issue an edict, an ex cathedra order on high. And then he said to me he was the one who cut the donut. So he wanted to come in and rebut. 
But more than that, uh, I wanted to introduce him to the audience as well. Mr. Durkin, welcome. Well, thank you, Seth. It is great to be on air with the great <laughs> Seth Leibson. <laughs> this is a high point in my career. It's been 40 years long, and it's still going, which is almost a record in the radio business. So now, that, you grew up here, right? I did grow up yeah. here. I went to Central High School, right. and then I graduated from Arizona State. They asked me to come out and talk to some of the students about careers, and I tell them, do anything but get into radio. <laughs> oh, stop Do it. anything. <laughs> now, but it's been good to me. Now, now, you came in with props. I see you came in with, is that an orange or a grapefruit? This I'm a little is uh, colorblind. half an orange. Uh, half I, an I, orange. I half an orange and left the other half in the break kitchen. Was the point to instruct that? It's okay to have a half of something? No, the point was to get you off your game early so that I could control the conversation. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. But I wanted to tell you that uh, it's great, actually, to be in here with you. I, I really do uh, appreciate the time. Not so much to rebut you, but I wanted to ask, uh, is my appearance being sponsored at all? I, should, I feel like I should have a sponsor. Well, let's give you one of our, one of our great sponsors. Let's, uh, let's, let's give it to the Midas Gold Group, shall we? We could do that. Yeah, brought to you by that. the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Awesome. How's I that? might even mention the Gleason Mechanical, yeah. but, but to be fair to the audience, I'd want them to know that that is my great brother-in-law. Oh, good. And so that wouldn't be the right thing to do. But, you know, tomorrow— is the Arizona Media Association Awards Ceremony at the Camelback Inn. Yeah. And I thought maybe you were bringing me in to surprise me that I'm being inducted into the Hall of Fame, but I don't see anybody else around here. Well, so is that not happening? Well, don't keep hope alive. I, I don't want to ruin the surprise. Absolutely. But I will give you a pro tip. Yes, sir. Um, if it's a buffet mm-hmm. and they're offering up like hamburgers or anything, and you're and you're not hungry for a whole one, just take the whole hamburger. I'm going to fill my <laughs> plate. <because laughs> Don't it's a ask for half. Not even if, <laughs> if I'm not hungry, I will fill my buffet. But you know this donut. You're very passionate about it. I love it, and I heard the segment. I listened to it just a little while ago in my office from a few months back, yes, where sir. your friend who. Uh, also had, I guess, the fit, same fitness trainer as you. You ran into him in a parking lot, and he took the best donut. Yes. And you said uh, some kind of remark about maple. Yeah. And I happen to be a fan. Of course. Of the, I'm, I, the, <laughs> the maple buttermilk bar. That is the best choice. <laughs> In a box of donuts. How much longer am I going to be employed here is my question. Now, everything I'm doing is insulting to you. Always up to the talent. You know that. (laughs) Say a word for this great event we're doing on March 26th, Mike Gallagher. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Mike Gallagher, of course, is just one of the great nationally syndicated hosts. And he he wanted to come to Phoenix, wanted to meet the audience. I said, come on out. And uh, we're teaming him up with you, which is, I think, tremendous, and uh, Brandon Tatum is going to be there, and we're going to be uh, at the Arizona Christian University on March 26th. So we want our listeners to all show up and come to this great event. 960thepatriot.com to get your tickets. We're Mm -hmm. keeping it generally a little smaller than a lot of our events so that we can have a maximum of interaction with the audience, Q&A, fighting for freedom. How long have you known Mike? You must know Mike a long time now. Well, I've been with Salem uh, almost 14 years, and uh, he's, as far as I know, he's been around that long. Oh, certainly. Uh, I've been with 19, and he was... And what's wonder? And he was one of the first people I got to know. He's so he was so helpful too. What you what you see with Mike is what you get. What yeah. you hear with Mike, he is the same person behind the mic as in front. He is just a great, 
great guy. Absolutely. Uh, but I would tell you that all the talent, yeah, uh, pretty much. I think that's right. Uh, you get what you see. So I, I think that's right. They're our favorites. Right. Uh, Larry Elder, if I'm oh, yeah. allowed to say, yeah, I, sure. I uh, enjoyed every interaction with yeah. Larry Elder. Dennis Prager, yeah. he's tremendous. Yeah. Um, Seth Gorka, Dr. Gorka. Oh, I mean, so, yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. You know, it's true. And maybe the, do you think radio has more authenticity than television? The, the, uh, the host? You know what? I never worked in TV, so yeah. I really can't. I don't know that answer, actually. Yeah, yeah. But back to donuts. Yes. Did, did you know <laughs> that 10 billion donuts are eaten, consumed a, a year by Americans in the United States? 10 billion donuts. All right. Well, you know what That's this all leads me to think, Mr. Durkin. We're in the wrong business? No. I think we need to get a donut sponsorship. Absolutely. Of course, Dunkin' Donut is the largest uh, distributor and seller of donuts yeah. with over 8,000 stores. I did a little research. <laughs> it sounds I, like I, it. I wouldn't want to come in here and, and just win it, not on this program. <laughs> I could get away with that somewhere else, maybe with Dennis Prague. Oh, yeah, sure. Not, sure. not with you. We make you cite your sources around here. Get, us, get us a donut. Bosa Donuts is yeah. a local operation, I think. There's some other ones that are out there. Um, Duncan is based out of Massachusetts, as I, I did recall. not know that. Yes. Duncan is based – and they all have – but they have to have a pink box. They and I heard box. earlier the story of the pink box. Yeah. Does your audience know It's the cheaper paper. Cheaper it's, paper. It's the, it's, yeah, it's, it's, the undyed, it's the undyed white paper. Um, I'm glad you came. I'm glad you, you weren't that offended that I still have a job. I'm not offended. Okay. Not at all. I'm, I'm having a great time. But you're going to let the rest of the back staff – and let them just back here in the state. My wife and I, 40 years later, here I'm back, and it's just great. And this is a great team. You and, and I did the same thing, we both came back to Phoenix, right? Yeah, and David Dahl, your producer, fantastic. Bill, awesome. I mean, this is just a great team here at Salem. So, thank you, and thank the great no, listeners. Thank you. Hey, because, Mark, yes, sir, don't worry, I like maple bars. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's going places, Seth. I... I'm telling you, he's going places. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Durkin. Thank you, Thank sir. you, Mark. Thanks for being a good sport. And um, and we learned a little bit about, uh, I guess, with Edmund Burke's philosophy, we learned that maybe we should, him being an Englishman, maybe we should focus a little bit more on American conservatives here because I don't have James Madison on donut ethics. And, and maybe, I did, maybe I should. Actually, I did find an Edmund Burke quote. Okay. Let's and have it. It was, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> the one, the most famous one uh, people know of Edmund Burke. You know what, Mr. Bill? The only, yeah, the only way for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. You're a good man, Mr. Durkins. A good you, group sir. of men were around, and women, of course, we mean. Man is a synecdoche for all human beings, and that's your word of the day, synecdoche. All right, Austin Smith coming up. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. As I mentioned before, this is a day of uh, a few first-time guests and hopefully uh, the first of many reappearances. Um, Over the course of last year when I was involved with the free speech crisis at ASU, I noticed there was one representative, uh, aside from the chairman of the uh, Judiciary uh, Committee in the Senate, one representative who showed up diligently and um, and uh, alertly at every single one of those hearings. And that was one Austin Smith. And over the course of uh, several months and uh, over the course of the year, I've gotten to know um, Austin Smith a bit more. And this is a great new 
member of our state legislature, and I wanted to introduce him to the audience, especially with a great piece of legislation he just authored with some co-sponsors, piece of legislation that Marissa Hamilton has described on Twix, Twitter X, as one of the most important bills of the session. Representative Smith, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Hey, Seth. I'm happy to be with you. Thank you for everything you do, and I'm happy to uh, help lead this fight for freedom and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights with you. I want to uh, thank you. I want to talk to you about this uh, concurrent resolution that you sponsor. Before we do, just as a first-time guest, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, how and where you grew up, and how you came to be doing what you're doing. I'm a proud fifth-generation Arizona native. My family came to Arizona in 1908 on a covered wagon before statehood. Yeah. Um, I grew up in the West Valley. I actually am very honored and, and privileged to get to represent in the Arizona House of Representatives the district that I grew up in. I went to high school in Goodyear. I represent Goodyear. My family has a lot of history and ties to the city of Surprise, Whitman and Morristown. So it's just such an honor to get to represent where you grew up, a lot of the people that you know there, that have the same ideals and values that I share. So it's just such a, a great privilege to get to serve the state that I love and the district that I love and, and fight for things that are important like free speech, the Constitution, the freedom to move, the freedom to, to own your own business, everything that makes our country so great in Arizona a beacon for, for many other people to come here. And it, it's such a, just an honor to be in a position where I can be a representative of the people for our republic. Well, that's great, uh, Representative Smith. Thank you. And this is a year of other good news in your family life as well, to, as long as we're mentioning family, right? Absolutely. My uh, fiancé, who I met several years ago at Turning Point USA, we are, we're getting married this year, and we we're both dedicated to fighting for the state that we love so we can raise our families here. So I'm, I'm very excited and, and blessed to uh, start my new life with her. Well, fantastic. Okay, House Concurrent Resolution 2040, introduced by Representative Smith et al. A concurrent resolution in enacting and ordering the submission to the people of a measure relating to public monies. Tell us the brief background of the idea behind this, and then we'll get into some specifics in the next segment, sir. Sure, Seth. Well, there has been an alarming call an organized movement to reduce the freedom of individuals by using taxpayer money, public money, for this state and for political subdivisions of this state to join organizations or associations through their cities, towns, counties, to be a part of groups that advocate to limit that freedom, like reducing your ability to consume meat or dairy products, how many clothes you can buy, how often you can drive your car, when you can drive your car, if you're able to fly by an fly by uh, an airline, if you're able to um, own a business and uh, produce goods, things like the World Economic Forum and the global health organizations and the United Nations calling for the America to reduce our freedom for collectivism, and so that really has been weighing on my mind for a long time. And obviously, with a Republican-controlled legislature, but unfortunately, having Katie Hobbs control the executive branch, she's not signing bills that are freedom-minded. And so one great thing that the founders of Arizona gave in our Constitution was the ability to refer these measures to the ballot so that the people can have the final say on how they live their lives. So I wrote HCR 2040 with 20 other of my Republican colleagues that essentially says this state 
or political subdivisions of this state cannot use public money to be involved in organizations that advocate for policies that reduce our freedom that is so important to us because what you're seeing now is this global call that you will own nothing and you will be happy. And our country was founded on private property rights, the ability to um, make your own way, to, to create the American dream. And that's starting to slowly slip away because our leaders aren't fighting for things like that. And so that was the reason for authoring this, to put it in our Constitution, that we're not going to allow our governments to be a part of organizations or groups that advocate and push policies that limit our freedom. And that was the entire reason for this. And so I'm going to be working really hard this session to get it across the finish line and submit it to the ballot. Fantastic. Hold that thought. I want to pick up on it when we come right back. We'll be right back with Austin Smith. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Privileged to have Representative Austin Smith with with us. He is uh, representing, uh, proudly represents uh, Legislative District 29 here in Arizona, talking about his uh, concurrent resolution enacting and ordering the submission of the people, a measure relating to the use of public monies. You were talking about, um, Representative Smith, you were talking about this kind of new yet really old Marxist doctrine that has uh, creeped in and seeped into so much of society and the kinds of things that even with our state monies we we endow. One of the great lines, I mean, you had said in the previous segment that this war on property and this war on acquiring property is um, is something that needs to be repelled. One of my favorite lines from Abraham Lincoln, you'll like this, sir. He said, property is the fruit of labor. Property is desirable. It is a positive good in the world. That some should be rich shows that others may become rich and is just encouragement to industry and enterprise. Let not him who is houseless pull down the house of another, but let him labor diligently and build one for himself, thus by example, assuring that his own shall be safe from violence when built." But you're quite right to point out that there is an oppositional view to this that has taken hold in too much of our society, uh, whether it's stuff being taught at our schools or whether it's stuff being funded by the state legislature. So your idea here is to submit to the people something that bars our public money endowing and supporting things like Marxist ideology, yes? You're right over the target there, Seth. And the reason why we have to do this is because this is a game of inches. When you give Marxists, when you give um, this collective collectivist ideas an inch, they will take a mile. Yep. You can never, ever, ever compromise your ideals like freedom of speech, freedom to travel, freedom to own a business, freedom to worship, freedom to start a family, freedom to participate in commerce, this was one of the big things about COVID, where we had the government shutting down uh, small mom and pop shops, but picking the big chains to stay open, and that was also really alarming because the government was picking habits that they deem um, okay and ones that they deem not, and that's where this strikes at the heart at what the World Economic Forum and these other globalist movements are doing is that. Americanism has always been about the individual making your own way, deciding what you want to do with your life. And you can't do that if you have government agencies from the state level to the municipality level deciding with your taxpayer dollars what the future of the country is going to look like by by just activity, by individualism. And so HCR 2040 goes at the heart 
of the World Economic Forum trying to usher these ideas quietly in the night while most people have no idea. They should be given the opportunity to vote yes or no to protect their individual liberties and freedom. What's beautiful about this is for the detractors who say, well, this will never be signed by the governor, is it has nothing to do with a signature by the governor. This is this is referred by the state house and Senate to the people of Arizona. And this is a fight I would like to have once it is. How how uh, you have it's not nothing to have 20 co-sponsors. Uh, what what do you what do you view the chances are on this? I think it's something we should really score our legislators, especially Republicans on and ask them what you don't support giving the people the opportunity to say our tax dollars won't endorse Marxism. That's my view. I am, a, I am a proud member of the Arizona Freedom Caucus, and I'm happy to have all of my other colleagues, Freedom Caucus brothers and sisters in arms, on this, as well as many other conservative Republican legislators. And this is a conversation, and this is a fight worth happening, yep. because the, the Constitution, the way our framers set this republic up, is through the legislature, we are responsible for being the voice of the people, the most powerful body in Article One, deciding what our people want. And... You know, we have to put this on the board. Our, our, our people, our voters, our constituents deserve to know where their representatives stand on such a monumental issue like the freedom to move, the freedom to own a business, the freedom to consume what you and your family, uh, what you deem correct for you and your family. And that's really what we're trying to do here is, is I, I'm proud to help lead this fight with many other Republican lawmakers who understand that this is the fight worth having. I appreciate you highlighting it for us. You bet. I want people to follow you on uh, Twitter X. I call it Twix. I just put those two words together, Representative <laughs> Smith. I think it's easier. It's it's easier to say, right, rather than saying I X'd something or read my X, which could sound weird. Just say, read my Twix. Um, so your handle is at AZ Austin Smith. Couldn't be easier. At AZ Austin Smith. And they can keep up with everything you're doing and also read and find links to um, this concurrent resolution. You, like me, have been really shocked. I, I have to say I have been shocked. I mean, I, I'm a creature of the universities. I've spent my lifetime in and around them. But I have been shocked by how prevalent, especially in our state institutions, Marxism has taken hold. And the reason I say state institutions is because that is paid for by the people's tax dollars. And the idea that we would be endowing our own undoing makes our Constitution, makes our Bill of Rights, makes our state Constitution a suicide pact. I will tell you. Uh, the Arizona Board of Regents, which are responsible for governing, and you know this, that they're responsible for governing our universities and the issues at Arizona State regarding free speech and freedom of, uh, of just association has come under fire because the regents, I don't believe, are doing their job effectively. The, the, the fox is essentially guarding the hen house yeah. here. And so it's not really the role of the legislature to have to step in, but we, we have to if these boards and this oversight is not doing their job. And so on that Freedom of Expression Committee, we, you know, we took a hard stance, drew a line in the sand, and said, you know, with these reforms coming up, which many of you will see through Senator Anthony Kern and I, I co-sponsored many of his bills that he will be um, hopefully dropping very soon, and saying, look, if you're not going to protect freedom of expression for everyone, and that includes faculty and staff, then we have to have a bigger conversation about, you know, are you doing your job effectively? Are the taxpayers, um, can they be trusted that you're going to protect 
their freedom of association and their freedom of expression. And we're finding that that's just not true. And ASU doing their own reports saying that they were fine and they did not break any laws, that couldn't be further from the truth. They are selectively deciding, you know, vis-a-vis their staff and faculty who they're going to support. And as you mentioned uh, uh, last week about the communists organizing on campus, there was no call from the faculty there to shut down the events. But when conservatives gathered on campus, there was always intimidation or there repercussions for people who participate in that. And that's where the regents have to step in and do their job. And unfortunately, they're not. And my job at the legislature is to make sure that everybody's voices um, are protected on college campuses. Well, Austin Smith, let this be the first of many returns. Thank you for what you're doing. Aristotle said that the first virtue is courage, because without it, none of the others are possible. You have that, and it's wedded to brains and smarts and intelligence and dedication. So thank you, sir, for everything you do and are doing, and I hope you'll come back soon. I'll come back anytime, Seth. Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm honored to be in this fight with you. You betcha. I'm honored to be in it with you. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. You like how he arpeggiates those chords, he young does David? A, does a, does a, does a what? He arpeggiates the chords. All right. Well, is that the second word of the day? <laughs> yeah, it is. But any musician knows what I'm talking about. Oh. Portions of this show are brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have a great investment. Really, it invests a lot in you with flexibility and control. You get a monthly statement with, with, of course, no surprises, but you can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees and no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. With Y-Refi, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. This is a secure, collateralized portfolio, and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24. I want to say one more word about prosperity in this country and the war against it. You know, we, especially in light of what I said in the monologue about defining conservatism, This new idea is really an old idea, and it's a reactionary idea, and it's contrary to everything that is expressed from the Declaration of Independence forward till about Woodrow Wilson and his his ghosts and hobgoblins of today, which have increased. You stop teaching liberty. Liberty doesn't happen naturally. Reagan tells us this. Lincoln tells us this. Uh, Malcolm Muggeridge, who uh, was quoted earlier in the week, tells us this. You have to teach this stuff. It's not man's natural default. Do you know how I know this? Our founders knew this. Why do you think they gave us the phrase at the founding, uh, novus order seclorum, new order of the ages? It was a new order of the ages. The tradition and the history of the world was not one of liberty, was not one of equality, was not one of guaranteeing and um, protecting property rights. It was a new order of the ages, Novus Ordus Seclorum. They knew what they were talking about. It doesn't just spring up naturally from the water. It doesn't come out of the water fountains. You have to teach it. And we stopped. And that's why you have so much Marxism 
infusing so much of our education system. We'll say more about that if you want in the next hour. We have a lot to do in the next hour, and we have open lines. Love to hear from you on anything that's on your mind. 602-508-0960 is the number. 602-5080-960. Give us a call. The water here is just fine and warm for you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 